0: Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ, 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And I'm very fortunate to have the opportunity to speak to Tim Vanderlyn today. Tim is uh, lead guitarist for the band Chester Brown out of uh, Northwest Indiana, or um, Indiana area anyway. And, um, also, uh, one of the lead guitarists in the band, um, uh, Steel on the farm and, um, really looking forward to hearing him, uh, getting a chance to hear him talk. Uh, he, uh, is, you know, Chester Brown has been sponsoring the, uh, festival called Browntown, uh, which this year was at the rising sun campground in, um, uh, Indiana just outside of La Porte I uh, want to hear you know how that went this year and uh, how he got this is a, I think it was the 12th year of that so um, that'll be uh, really interesting to hear how how that got going and what was going on with that uh, and also um gonna get a chance to play some of his song uh, 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 one of his songs real quick here but just before we get there just wanted to tell you, Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Cara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at karaskottages.com. That's Cara's and cottages with a K. Now, let's not waste any more time. Let's listen to um, Chester Brown's song, from their 2011 album, self-titled album called Chester Brown. And here we go with Too Blind to See. That was Chester Brown with, uh, Too blind to see from their self titled album from 2011. And again, looking forward to talking with Tim Vanderlyn, the, uh, one of the lead guitars for Chester Brown and one of the lead guitars for stealing the farm. Um, and here we go. Okay. Hey, Tim, good to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. I've got Tim Vanderlyn on the show. Uh, how are you doing? Everything, everything going good?
1: Yeah, everything is going pretty good. Okay, uh, you know.
0: Well, I uh, really enjoyed your show with Steel on the Farm on uh, Saturday at uh, the at the livery. I mean, you guys blew the doors off that place. That was just a lot of fun. Good, everyone's dancing and jumping around, and uh, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, how long have you been playing with Steel on the Farm?
1: Um, about. A little bit over a year I want to say so it started somewhere in the the pandemic um you know everything was yeah. kind of slowing down and my other band Chester Brown was you know we kind of lived spread out from each other and you know some people were more wary about the pandemic than others and so like you know like everyone else in this industry we took kind of a small hiatus and Steel stealing the farm was still wanting to practice and they wanted a rhythm guy so I I was uh more than happy to step
0: in. Great. And, uh, and so then you got to play with Mike Nealon, who, uh, also is in Chester Brown band. So basically the, the two guitars from Chester Brown are playing with Chester Brown and playing with steel on the farm.
1: That is correct. Yes.
0: But you consider yourself the rhythm guitarist for, um, steel on the farm. I I guess I didn't pick up on that. I I thought that you guys were doing sort of doing dual, uh, lead guitar, you and Mike.
1: Well, I think we kind of are, but, in Chester Brown, I, I feel like it's it's more of a duel, uh, like a duo. We share lead responsibilities more. And um, I think because he was in Steel on the Farm for a while before me as the only guitar player, that he kind of has he, – he knows more of the solos and the songs a little better than I do. He's a little more comfortable, and he's been doing them for so long. Right. And it's kind of the same thing with Chester Brown. I was the – the soul the soul guitar player in that band for a long time before mike came in so it's kind of like we flip-flopped roles in a, in a way <laughs> but, uh, I, I really enjoy playing with mike it's uh i've been playing with him for years and years well i
0: hope <laughs> so and, and he's a real easygoing guy so i would imagine yeah. it's pretty easy to to get along with him and everything but uh yeah i mean you guys have been playing together for a long time yeah uh, it's it, fun so Chester Brown came out with their debut album, or their at least their, um, their namesake album, Chester Brown, in 2011. Is that when you guys kind of first got started, or how much longer before that were you playing together?
1: Oh, um, whew, that's a good question. I, will, I would say it was probably 2002.
0: Oh, really? So you had been together yeah, for so... almost 10 years, 9, 10 years before you put out that album.
1: Yeah, our first album I'm, I'm not even I can't even remember exactly when we put it out. I I think that the one that you're thinking of is the self-titled
0: self-titled one, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's another one called Stale Cigarettes that we put out probably 4 or 5 years before that.
0: Oh, I see. And then I see that there's a uh, Chester Brown live that came out in 2009. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, so and
1: Then and we put that one out. That was uh, a Shoreline show at Shoreline Brewery that we recorded because we used to be the house band every Thursday we played there.
0: Is that right? Oh, wow. Yeah,
1: when they first started, yeah, it was that's how we got to know Sam, the owner, and yeah, that was a lot of fun.
0: Chess, uh, so, uh, Shoreline Brewery in in Michigan City, they've been um, doing music like that for um, almost 20 years, it sounds like. If you guys, yeah, they've
1: been doing it, yeah, yeah. When they first started, he Sam first opened the place, we were the house band and you know it, it was a lot smaller then and it, it's grown to what it is now and they've got that really nice outdoor amphitheater right. thing and yeah I've always had a good relationship with Sam and he's always he's always supported local music and music in general so,
0: so. as a uh, as a house band how, how does that work i mean i don't even think that there's too many places that have a house band these days it's uh there's just a lot of moving around and and uh you know bringing in bands from here and there uh
1: yeah it was uh we we actually had a few different residencies we had one there and then there was a place in chesterton indiana called uh oh man i can't can't remember the name of the place it doesn't even exist anymore so it doesn't really matter <laughs> but yeah we used to do that all the time um it was called the registry uh-huh. so um what we did is it, it just started off like as far as like what we got paid and stuff wasn't we were just kind of getting started anyway ourselves. So it was just like, okay, cool. It doesn't really matter. He, we started bringing in people and, you know, it started, there'd be four or five people in the audience. And then, you know, two, three years later, it was packed every Thursday and, you know, he would pay us a little more, (laughs) more people would come in and it just helped us really get our name out there and, and really helped us, uh, you know, like Woodshed and kept our chops up, made us a lot better because you had something every week you had to to rehearse for and strive for. And
0: And if you were packing the place and you're probably bringing in a lot of the same people who just love to see you and and your Mm -hmm. style of music changes all the time. So I'm a big, you know, Grateful Dead, Fish fan. And uh, you guys are creating your own music in both bands, Chester Brown and Steel on the Farm, where, you know, you're, doing these extended uh songs and um doing a lot of improvisation and um just just jamming. I mean, I hate yeah. to call it a jam band, you know, I hate to genreize anything, but yeah. um you know, you guys do a great job of uh taking, you know, your standard song and then and then working with it and and you know, can, taking it in different directions and playing with it and and uh um you know, basically improvising uh, making up music on the fly Uh, yeah
1: that's uh i mean to me that's the funnest part of it i I mean i really like a good a a, a well-written song and i enjoy playing those that kind of music but the real fun for me is taking it out there and extending those solo sections or adding your own twist to it and, and really making it your own and that's the fun part for me
0: yeah have you always played guitar or did you ever play any other instruments
1: uh, no, I've always played guitar. I've messed around with piano here and there. Um, i I I know how to play chords. I'm definitely not proficient, um, but yeah, no, I've always just just guitar. I started on guitar. I've I just feel like it's a an instrument that's I don't, it just it's all encompassing. It, it's really for me, it was kind of easy to pick up on, but it's really hard to master. In my opinion,
0: it's oh like, yeah, sure.
1: You know, it's really 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 hard to. There's so many little nuances, which I'm sure with every instrument there really is, but I've just always loved guitar
0: well, sure, I mean you know just as you know you you learn one way of playing it, and then you can um change the uh the tuning on the guitar to make it a totally different instrument essentially, uh, yeah, you know um, putting it down to a g or a D or something like that, or even using a capo changes the the whole sound of the guitar.
1: Button. Yeah, um, that and, you know, all, all kind oh, the, the tonality that, of it, yeah, different the, guitars, right, different, different pedals.
0: pedals and stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, what kind of guitar do you play?
1: Um, currently, I go back and forth. I have a Paul Reed Smith Custom 22. It's the floating oh, nice. tremolo one. Uh-huh. Um, I bought that in 2000, I want to say 15. 16 and and uh it was, it's a 2002 model i bought it at chicago music exchange uh-huh. yeah. which is it's just kind of interesting because the first quote-unquote real guitar i bought was a gibson les paul and i bought it in 2002 so somehow <laughs> they're both 2002 guitars um, but those are my two main guitars i really like the les paul and um
0: do, you, um, do so do you use a, one guitar on certain songs and another guitar on other songs and and how do you make that decision as you're going
1: well i not generally sometimes i'll bring both guitars but with me to a gig but most of the time honestly it's funny Me mean me and mike will talk my and mike nealon yeah and he'll he'll be like uh you know what guitar are you in, or i'll ask him and If he's bringing something with single coils, I'll bring my Les Paul with the humbuckers because it has that opposite sound. And if he's bringing his Gibson SG, which he's been playing a lot lately, I'll bring my Paul Reed Smith because it's got split coils so I can get the single coil sound. So we try and keep it to where our tonalities are a little bit different so it doesn't just blend together. Right. So we, generally it depends on what me and Mike talk about. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. Right. So you don't necessarily have, I mean, it's not like, you know, some guys just, you know, are always looking for the next guitar and have a ton of guitars. I mean, look at real Rick Nielsen from a uh, che- cheap trick. He's just oh, got yeah. hundreds of guitars and yeah. he's a huge guitar collector. Uh, but you know, other people like, you know, they, they have a big thing about pedals. I have a friend who's, uh, uh, just a pedal maniac. He's always getting new pedals and changing up his his uh, pedal board and you know pulling stuff off, putting new stuff on. Uh, do you have you know uh, that kind of of uh, interest in pedals or what kind of pedal setup do you have?
1: Um, yeah, I, I do. I do. I, I went through that whole phase of getting lots of pedals. Um, I even went through a phase of modding Ibanez pedals to make them eight oh eights, and so I've done my share of that. Um, <laughs> lately, I've just. Uh, I've been, I I got uh, a line six HX stomp mostly for, um, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of hype about it. And I wanted to kind of, uh, somebody told me something about like, um, like modeling amps. You know how line six has those modeling amps out where you can get like a blackface sound or a tweed sound or whatever. And it's a, it's a great way to figure out what kind of what vein of amp you like. So I got the Line 6 pedal because I wanted to do dual delays, and I wanted to try out some different effects. And I really like it now. I'm I can I can have uh you know I can have a, I used to have like all all of these pedals I used to pretty much have in pedal format by themselves you're tap dancing around so like i can program a line six to like turn on two things at once with one step of a foot oh like wow kind of temp- uh-huh. i could tap tempo everything my univide pedal can be tap tempoed my phaser can be tap tempoed universally but all, all my delays that i use on it are tap tempoed so i could just tap the song when we start it and then no matter what i hit it's in the tempo like set for eight sixteenths dotted eighths, quarters triplets up to 130 you know 130 seconds Notes. So uh, there's a lot of uh, versatility involved. With yeah, it. And, oh, and and an incredible
0: just... amount of variety. I mean, any mm-hmm. any new tone is like having a whole good, different guitar sometimes.
1: And and the tones on it are really good. I think, especially the the delays. I mean, Line Six kind of started with the whole like DL4 delay thing. That's kind of their thing, and their delays sound really good in it. The other stuff is kind of you know what you would expect from like a multi effects pedal. It's okay, does the trick. Or just it. it clears up a lot of real estate. I don't have to have a Digitech whammy that's, you know, um, six inches by eight inches square yeah. on a pedal board. I just have a little uh, mini Dunlop expression pedal uh-huh. and going into the line six, and I can just do that. And it's I don't use it that much anyway. It's more of a gimmicky thing, like, just for fun. But,
0: yeah, yeah, certain songs and stuff like that.
1: But I have realized using this pedal that I really love the Univibe sound and... I really only use the Ottawa on a few songs like Envelope Filter, a Univibe, and then a, a delay with dotted eights and a delay with quarter notes. So I've been thinking about just trying to find like a really tonally speaking a really good pedal for each of those instead of the Line Six, but well, know, that, pedals are really they're really expensive. So yeah,
0: yeah, all that variable you know, electric flow and stuff like that. I'm sure it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's higher end kind of electronics that are in those kind of things. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you use, you know, certain tones more in, um, you know, songs with Chester Brown than you do with, with steel on the farm or, uh, vice versa?
1: Yeah, definitely. So steel on the farm, I'm usually always playing the Paul Reed Smith with the coils tapped. There's, a, there's like a, Push pull pot on my guitar. I just uh, it's always on single coil, uh-huh. and it's more of a. I don't. It's more of a stratty Telecaster kind of tone, but with Chester Brown, I can get away with the Les Paul more, and it's more of a meaty like. I, don't, I feel like Chester Brown. My tone is more geared towards leads and rhythm, kind of comes second as far as tonally speaking, and. In Steal on the Farm, it seems to be the other way around. Right. Styling my stuff in for like a, a nice, rhythmy, like funky rhythm sound. And then the the lead part comes after that. I'll worry about that after I get a good, clean tone.
0: Right, right. Well, I know that uh, Marcus Seifert, uh, the the singer and uh, keyboard player from Steal on the Farm, I think he does a lot of the writing for Steal on the Farm. Am I right about yeah. that? Or do you guys? Know? Yeah, he. Okay.
1: He does. He does do a lot. We've written a few songs lately that have been um, kind of all of us. Uh-huh, more collaboration. But, yeah, and there's a song There's a song I really like. We we just did called The Rain. But, um, it was an older song that he had written. And Marcus has a songwriting partner, and his name is John, and I cannot remember his last name, but he writes really great songs. He was oh, I Stealing think
0: John was like an original member of Stealing yes. the Farm. Yeah. yeah.
1: so there's a lot of songs that him and Marcus wrote together, but this one particular song, I'm pretty sure they wrote together, but they it just never worked out. And then we Marcus part to practice one one night and we all just kind of woodshedded it and it. It's one of my favorite songs we do now, so
0: Oh, yeah, that's great. You know, how, yeah. how much change did did you guys make to it? You know, what kind of changes <laughs> did you make to a song like that? Um,
1: I don't know. I don't I didn't ever remember hearing the song before so as far as what changes we made to it we didn't really make any drastic changes i think it was more vibe and stuff like pat Uh, conway the bass player has more of like a like a hip-hop kind of like groove bass line and you know we just we changed some stuff up to where we would well you know instead of going to this chord once and back let's let's hang on this chord a little longer or let's you know go back and forth Things like that. It didn't really drastically change, but it, it to me it drastically changed the way the whole thing sounded.
0: Right? Do you uh, do any of the writing for Chester Brown?
1: Yeah, I do a lot of the writing for Chester Brown. Ah, um, okay, probably probably like, um, I don't. Between me and my brother Nate, who plays keyboards, it's probably fifty fifty, or maybe I write a few more. But it all kind of depends on on the year, I guess. But it's it's pretty much fifty fifty. And then Dominic, the bass player, writes some songs too.
0: I got you. So I I know the members of Steel the Farm. You got Marcus Seyford on keyboards and uh mm-hmm. you and Mike Nealon on um on guitar and uh Patrick Conway on um on the bass and then Justin on the drums. I don't know the names. You know, I don't know the members of Chester Brown. So, so your brother uh Nate is the keyboard player?
1: Yeah, Nate Vanderlyn's the keyboard player. Uh-huh. And then Tony DeLumo is the drummer. Okay. Um, uh, and then me and Mike on guitars. Yeah. And then uh, Dominic Pugliese is the bass player.
0: Gotcha. And do you guys all sing or uh, some of, who, who does the primary singing at Chester Brown?
1: Um, yeah, we, we all sing. It depends. If it's my song, I sing it. If it's my brother's song, he sings it. Right. If it's Dom's song, he sings it. Although there's one song that I sing that Dominic wrote. I don't know how that happened, but it just did. But, um, yeah, we all take turns, and I would say, depending on the set list, sometimes the set list is majority Nate's songs, and sometimes the set list is majority my songs. So it just kind of depends. I I guess on any night you come, you might not know who the lead singer is, per se. Right. Because one night it might seem like it's Nate, and one night it might seem like it's Pete.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How long have, the, uh, have all you guys and Chester Brown been playing together? Is it the same lineup from the beginning?
1: Um, not exactly. No. So it was, uh, it's was. it been me and Dominic, the bass player, since the beginning, uh-huh. since before Chester Brown, since like 1997.
0: Oh, yeah. Really? What did you yeah, guys call I, yourself back then?
1: The Bridge. The
0: Bridge. All right. That's yeah. a good one.
1: I think the other guitar player at the time, I think he might've got it from like, you know, the James Brown song. Uh uh-huh. the Yeah. So,
2: Take me to the bridge.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so um, it was me. I actually met the guitar player who was playing with Dominic and uh, uh, another drummer. His name was Max Danella at the time. And I'm, I actually met him at a fish show. And we were jamming guitars. And he's like, we, I'm like, oh, you're from Chesterton. Yeah. So am I. Oh, no shit. We should jam when we get home. So we did, and that's how I met Dominic. And those other two guys went their own way, and then me and Dominic have stuck together. And then my brother came along, like right after that, maybe ninety nine, early uh, two thousand.
0: What was your brother and, doing before that? Playing in another nothing. band. He, just he, just no, learning? he
1: was like, yeah, he said, he said, uh, I want to learn how to play guitar, and I'm like, man, don't learn how to play guitar. Everybody plays guitar. I'm like, <laughs> learn how to play keyboard or something. He just wanted to be in the band. Are you the older
0: brother? Who's who yeah. older? Between, yeah.
1: I'm the older brother. So he was only like 20 at the time, maybe 19 or 20. And I'm like, play keyboards. So he bought a keyboard. And this is always funny in our circles because he would come to practice. At that time, we were practicing like twice a week. And he was so awful that we'd make him wear headphones <laughs> because he was learning it like while uh, we we're practicing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, after a while we're like, man, maybe we should, let's see what Nate's doing. He's over there jamming. We're not even hearing what he's doing. And then slowly, but surely he just stopped wearing the headphones and wow. started writing songs. And so he kind of, we all kind of learned in that band together to me. That's what makes it unique is, We were all kind of just learning how to play our instruments when we started the band.
0: Well, that's kind of how Grateful Dead worked. I mean, you know, Jerry certainly knew how to play. And I think Phil was a good player. But, you know, Bobby kind of just figured it out as he was going along. I think they were even going to throw him out of the band at some point. Yeah.
1: I I think Phil was like a trumpet player or something. He didn't even play bass.
0: Oh, yeah. I think he was like a classical player before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, playing. or violin or something, and it yeah, was yeah. like,
1: well, oh, bass has got four strings. How hard could it be? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, so, and now it's still lush. I mean, damn. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so um, that's pretty amazing that your brother, Nate, uh, hadn't even played, had he not played piano prior to um, starting to play with the band and, and it, when he was 20 years old? Had he taken any kind of lessons on piano or any music lessons? No. Nope. Wow, yeah. that's pretty good. I mean, I've taken all kinds of music lessons, and I can't get anything going. He, <laughs> he just gets to, sat in front of the keyboards and started playing, and next thing you know, he's a rock star. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe uh, like uh, well, Waz from Freak Johnson might have shown him a few things. You know, just people around would show him a few things. Sure. There. And
0: I'm, yeah.
1: I know he's like bought books and stuff, and back then there was no real internet or YouTube, so it was all just... Books, Or word of mouth or people showing you a few things here and there.
0: Yeah, it was the early, early days of uh, mm-hmm. not even Internet, but like sort of maybe email. Like, <laughs> yeah, so they I think the first computers came out like, you know, end of the uh, end of the 90s or middle yeah, of the 90s. Yeah,
1: it was still the old dial-up. I'm going to get on the internet, but I'm going to walk away for 45 minutes until it gets on. <laughs> that's right. That I noise think. that used to happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: like three bits per second. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah uh, was... those were the days. That's for sure. Well, how long? uh, When did you learn how to play guitar? Or is that and is that the first instrument that you learned how to play?
1: Yeah, that is. Um, I remember when I was a kid, I took piano lessons. And it didn't last very long. Yeah. I wanted to be outside. Yeah. Right, but um. Then, like in late elementary school, I played saxophone for a little while, but uh-huh. then I didn't play it for years. It wasn't until probably like a little bit after high school, I had a really good friend. My brother's best friend, when I had just graduated, was uh, Tim Dishman, who was a really good bass player. He's actually played with Alan Jackson and stuff. He lives in Nashville now. Oh, wow. But he, he taught me. I was like, man, Tim, you got to, because he was a really good, like, bluegrass. Oh, acoustic yeah. Player and bluegrass, uh-huh. upright bass player. And uh, so when he'd come over to hang out with my brother, I, I had this old guitar I borrowed from the front, old crappy acoustic. And I'm like, Tim, show me some stuff. Just show him. So he'd show me, you know, the typical cowboy chords, G, C, D. And he'd be like, just practice this. And then he'd come back. I'd be like, I got this. He's like, oh, okay, then now do this. And so that's kind of how I started.
0: Wow. Okay. There you go. And you got started pretty late, too. I mean, some guys. Yeah, you know, they get started in their junior high and stuff, and and just uh, start form bands. Uh, wh- what was the first band that you were in?
1: Um, the Bridge. Oh, okay. The one right before Chester Brown, oh, and yeah, then yeah. really Chester Brown right after that.
0: I got you. Uh-huh. So that's a, a pretty pretty low arc. I mean, you you know just kind of stepped into it, and there there you were. What yeah, what kind there, of music were you guys a, playing with the Bridge? Um, the same stuff? kind of
1: stuff Yeah we were more like I think more just out of Like Because we weren't good enough to learn cover tunes We weren't We were ah. writing our own stuff Oh you know? cool
0: like, yeah you're just, just Playing music so, just getting up there and just Yeah so was, with the bridge we
1: were like We were just writing our own songs I don't even think we really We didn't even really know what we were doing We were just like well that sounds cool let's do that again And just practiced our own stuff and uh I mean, did you guys I, I play like out
0: as the bridge? did you we did. Pigs? we did yeah,
1: we did a few t- after after a couple of years, we started like playing backyard parties and then you know little tiny dive bars here and there around mm-hmm. northwest indiana and then you know just kept playing Chester Brown pretty much got started playing it's gastro forty nine now but it used to be the coach light, and we would play every Sunday, so at that time we were for a while we were playing every Sunday there and then every Thursday at shoreline.
0: Uh Wow. And
1: uh, so
0: whatever happened to the, uh, the house band kind of idea where, uh, you you can, you knew that you could see the same band every, every night of the week or something like that. Or I don't uh, know. I
1: always kind of liked that. Like with us, what happened was we tried to do something a, a while later where it was like the first Friday of every month or something, but people forget. Uh So we found that if you just do it, like if it's every Thursday or every Friday or whatever, people remember, Oh wait, today's Thursday.
0: Yeah.
1: This band's playing down at this bar. It's every Thursday. So they, you build up more of a following. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's so much competition with entertainment where you don't even have to leave your house anymore. Right.
0: Right. That's right. There's so much content out there in all different forms. I was thinking about that. The same thing the other day, like, like, you know, remember, if you wanted to go see a movie, you had to go to a movie theater, and mm-hmm. uh, you know there was a limited kind of. Now it's like, what do you even say? Like, oh, I'm going, to, I'm going to watch a movie on my phone or on my, you know, yeah. TV or a computer. And is it a movie? Is it just you know some video with audio with it? I mean, you know, there's documentaries. There's there's sort of no straight up format these days. There, there's remnants, you know. There's certainly you know Hollywood. Hollywood's making movies, but uh, there's so many different types of content that uh, it's hard to even, you know, <laughs> go around calling stuff like that. Yeah, uh, well, You know what I was thinking? There, there is a band. Uh, Mr. Blotto uh, has a mm-hmm. regular Tuesday night um, thing at Reggie's oh, yeah, in Chicago. They do. Tipsy Tuesdays. And so that's kind of a house band situation where, you yeah, know, everyone no, knows that they – but you know they they are like you in the sense that they've got their um, their uh, uh, you know collection of songs and then they'll play those songs and then take it to the next level with a lot of improvisation and and uh, you know just just fun little things going on in the middle of a song just making it up as they go along or, or at least you know go off in different directions from a song. Yeah,
1: these guys are great. They were a big they influence on, on us. On oh, Justin is that Brown, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, huge. They were like, uh, this girl that Mark Haig, the guitar player, was dating at the time was from our hometown. And she's like, you got to come up here on Sunday when we were doing that Sunday thing. And we were just like maybe one step above a garage band, you know, just like clanging away in like a tiny little place and Mark, for some reason, Mark Haig was like, these guys are awesome. He saw something in us. <laughs> I mean, maybe more like, you know, like old like um, man, I can't it. like old Lou Reed stuff, you know, like that, oh, that yeah. dirty velvet underground sound right. kind of thing. That's kind of what he told me later on. Like, it was more of that like rawness, and and then Mark got us somehow talked the Blotto guys into letting us open for them a few times, and like they helped us really get going. And they were those guys are great, man. They, yeah, they really have given us a lot of advice and just been really. Really, really cool to us over the years.
0: And is Mark Haig their uh, guitar player? One of their guitar players, the the lead guitar player. Oh yeah, okay. So then I I know who you're talking about, and he is awesome. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. a a great lead. He's he's amazing. He's, he
1: could. I've seen him play hundred dollar guitars, and I've seen him play two thousand dollar guitars.
0: Right, sounds the same. So, (laughs) (laughs) so that kind of defeats. He's he's really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So that brings up also Brown Town. and so I, I understand Chester Brown, you know, the name of the band. You guys were from Chesterton. Where the Brown part come from on Chester um, Brown?
1: Well, it was kind of like a play on words. Like there's that old blues brand, like uh, Savoy Brown and like Jackson uh, Brown and yeah. like, that kind of thing. And then way back in the day, um, before you could actually get good weed, we'd always call, we'd always call it, cheesetown brown uh, you know like when it was really hard to find anything that was better than like you know some kind of vacuum pack brick it. Yeah. that's what we called cheesetown brown and we were like so like raw and new and we weren't that good at the time we we're just like well it's not call ourselves cheesetown brown no one will get it and we just decided on chester brown so ah uh, good that's one. really where that comes from
0: yeah that's funny uh and then um you guys had your first festival that you that you got behind uh what in 2010 is that the first year for brown town
1: i think it was yeah 2009 or 10
0: and so you guys went from being you know a house band and getting gigs here and there how did you decide that you were going to put together a whole festival with multiple bands and you know take like that production side of things
1: um well there's a backstory too and my brother right out of high school actually both of us but he started working at a steel mill at Midwest steel at the time. So he bought like five acres out in Jackson township. And he was, um. it just didn't have anything on it. so he would throw these parties. He would just every weekend, he just like throw a big party and invite whoever. And it had like this crazy weird uh, natural amphitheater, like cool. a whole landscape geography. And then he built a stage to have, like us play and like all these other local bands and it was all free and then he called it vanderland
0: vanderland that's great
1: it it would just it would just get wild you know you you can imagine a bunch of 20 to 25 year old kids like partying on saturdays with bands playing and you know so then when we started getting a little more you know a little bigger or whatever my brother was like well we should do that again but you know use the band and we'll be legit and we'll just Make the ticket prices enough to where we can pay for everything. That was our goal. We, ne- you know, never to just make covering
0: money things. Just to yeah, yeah, cover
1: cover the cost of whatever. And um, where I work, and where I was working, is a sound is a production company called oh. Techno Tricks out uh-huh. of Chicago. Okay. So like, and they do big, like big, you know, events like, um, you know, summer camp they've done. They've they really? do all kind of, like a big production company. So we would get. Whatever gear we could for as cheap as we could, but it was all pro gear. And then our buddy Brent, who was our sound guy, who's now like the head of audio there, would come out and like you know we'd have all this great gear that we got for pretty cheap because I worked there and he worked there. And then um, our buddy, who was the lighting guy, he's also the head of lights there now. He would bring out light his lights, and so we got it all pretty cheap, and we got to keep the ticket twice as cheap. And it was basically just throw a party. For all our friends and make right. it as cool as we could production wise and then try and get you know, the first couple of years bands played for free. We oh, played for free. Uh-huh. Yeah. Know, like and like
0: Discovering for the electricity.
1: Yeah, it was just it was there, you know, it was like our rock and roll fantasy camp. It was yeah. like, Yeah, we we're not gonna headline any festival, we'll make our own festival to headline.
0: Right, like, right.
1: You know, so that's kind of where it all started.
0: Wow. Wow! Marriage. So, and I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, Mr. Blada was like played at the festival for at least the last two years. Um, well, I know they yeah, were there last I've, year. In a I short... want to
1: say they've played almost, almost every year. So every how movie. did
0: you, and did you um, set it up that, okay, hey, we've got this, this band out of Chicago and then we're going to play too with our buddies and that kind of thing. Is that how those, those early years went?
1: Um, yeah, pretty much. We would just get, like, uh, like, well, Fresh Hops was still together, and they were, like, you know, uh, not as big as they are now, either, and we were friends with those guys, so we're like, well, we can get Fresh Hops, and there was a band called The Diggity back then, uh-huh. that was pretty big out in Lake County, and, um, so they would come, and, um, there were some lo- other local bands from Chesterton, like, there was, um, um, All Good Band, which is Ed Surius' band, but they were called something different then, and then... Um, the guitar player from one of the guitar players, Justin Golday was in bands and like, we were all buddies with them all and Tommy Thompson band. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we just, they were all like, yeah, that sounds cool. We're like, well, we can't pay you nothing or next to nothing. And they're like, oh, I don't care. And it was basically all of us and all of our friends of all the bands, you know, yeah. and they would all pay 20 bucks to get in to cover the cost.
0: Right. Right.
1: And like, so that's really kind of how it started. And Blotto was, like Mr. Blotto had us play their their festival. They used to have Blatopia.
0: Oh, that's right. They had, yeah,
1: they've had us play there two or three times. I want to say at least. So, what happened with them playing so much at Browntown was we kind of they did this thing called uh, Hotel Blotto.
0: Before. Yeah, yeah, Hotel Blotto. I remember. So they're trying to get
1: going again. Are
0: they? Again, are they, they going? And they were doing it more than once a year. I think right.
1: Yeah, they Hotel they Hall. were doing uh they were doing Hotel Blotto in February and then they are doing a Halloween thing in October.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Gotcha. It was like,
1: yeah, which was, which was cool. But what we would do is we would just, um, instead of taking money for it, we would just say, okay, we'll, we'll just play this event and then you guys can play Browntown. And it's pretty much was like me even up trade.
0: Oh, cool. So that's and how that, that's how that got started. Are they still doing that where they'll play your festival and you play it theirs and you just call it even?
1: Um, yeah, we did, uh, this year at don't. We didn't. they didn't have it because of the COVID thing. Right, right. So, no, we so didn't, like, trade with them. This
0: year, <laughs> so, so they were one off. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it, do you, um, you also brought in, I mean, I was at last year's Browntown, and it was uh-huh. just blew me away. Uh, you know, that Rising Sun campground was a lot of fun. It was just kind of out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Like, it was, yeah. I lost reception just trying to find the place. Yeah, and, that's it. But it was a beautiful spot. I mean, it was just, you know, they had all those people that, that are there probably the whole summer. I don't know what that, that whole deal is, but, um, you yeah, know, yeah, everyone was real do. friendly and uh, and uh, you had some, just some really awesome bands and then, and then kind of like one-off kind of shows going on too. Willie Waldman uh, yeah. did that thing with, um, <laughs> I think Kofi Baker played with him or yeah. uh, Kofi Baker was definitely there doing something, but... Um, you know, everyone's playing with everybody and uh, just playing everyone else's songs, and what a delight! You know, it was just and it was non stop. I mean, it just you know went on and on. And then you guys played um, one or two or even three sets like late, late into the night. It was uh, yeah. a real fun time. How did well, it go this year?
1: <laughs> it went, it went uh, I think it went better than last year, personally. Ah. And, uh, it was a. Uh, yeah, it was good. The, the turnout was probably just a little bit more people, and um, yeah, well, this year compared to last year, I, I I enjoyed more, and I thought that from the feedback I've gotten, everyone said all the bands played really well, and and um, I thought all the bands played awesome, and I thought we played good. I was like, man, this was it was a really good. It was a really good one. Yeah. It was one of my favorite ones in the last couple of years for sure.
0: Well, Marcus told me that every year it gets better and better. That uh, yeah. you know, last year was great, this year was even better, you know, so next year too. And I think you guys used to do do it in June, but um last year um probably because of COVID restrictions and stuff, you ended up doing it in August and then this year did you did it in August as well? Are you going to yeah. keep it in August?
1: I don't I don't know. Okay. Um, we haven't decided, but I always liked doing it in June. We always historically did it on Father's Day weekend. Um, which was usually the weekend and most most of that was because we were doing it different dates and for I, I would guess four or five years in a row it stormed. I mean, rained and stormed the whole weekend. Oh, so we like I think we pretty much got like on farmer's almanac and was like, Okay, let's pick the weekend <laughs> that has the least amount of rain and ah. that's what we came up with and we've been blessed with pretty good weather ever since. So might go back to that. This year we did pick August only because we didn't know what was going on with COVID. And we were like, well, it might be safer to put it later than earlier just in case. Right. So.
0: And it seems like, I'm not sure. It seems like the rising sun campground people were very receptive to it too. I I think they, was that their permanent stage that they have there.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, So they're having music
0: pretty frequently also. And uh, it was probably no big deal to, to expand it and just, allow you guys to take over the, the area like that
1: yeah yeah they were they were real good about it and they they did some they did some extra work on it too before we started doing it there like they're you know uh-huh. just made sure everything was safer and any like that that was rotten they replaced it and did some little work to it and my goal in the future is to get more of like a a real stage down there like a you know like Kind of like if you've ever been to Shoe Fest, I don't know if you've ever been there or not.
0: No, but my buddy's been trying to get me to go there for years. He uh yeah, it's down in it's like some, Mantino or something. In yeah,
1: yeah. The company I work for does the production for them. Oh, and gotcha. So they get like a, a real stage, like a right. mobile stage that they put out there, and all that. That's what I would like to do. It's
0: that would, would be amazing. Wow.
1: It just it just takes the, the overhead. As soon as we get enough sure. overhead, we're going to try and. Do that and then probably the stage that's there will be like a, a side stage.
0: Oh, there you go, and have a couple kind of things thing. going on. Like maybe have the big stage off in the corner where there's, you know, where everyone was kind of camping last year. Yeah. And yeah. then uh and then there won't be as much bleed, I guess.
1: Yeah, that that's the idea. And then try not to overlap the acts too much. Like that's one thing. I think this year at Browntown we had not counting, we had a little stage by the river with bands playing, which I think
0: oh, was awesome. I didn't oh that's cool.
1: Um but um not counting that, I, I think we only had like including Chester Brown. I want to say there's probably like eight bands total, right? Eight or nine uh-huh. because we're, we give everyone two hour sets and we give everyone a half hour changeover because that's quick. We know how it is to play a festival, and you're like, okay, you got 45 minutes or an hour, and you got 15 minutes to get on and 15 minutes to get off, and you're like, man, yeah, you're just rushed, you're just rushed, and you don't even really get in the groove of things, right? Within right, an hour. So we try to give everybody two hours and try to, you know,
0: yeah, so expand like, it out and that, let people get comfortable. I think that's part of the reason
1: why, why bands play seem to play better there because they're they get a half hour to get warmed up on stage and then they're like, okay, this feels good. Now let's let's really hit it.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Did uh, where where did you guys do Brown Town before you went over to the Rising Sun Campground?
1: Um, we did it at the Isaac Walton in Michigan City.
0: Oh, okay, right, right. I, I which is right down the road from like
1: the Michigan City campground off of Four Twenty
0: One. Right, and how? So how come you stopped doing it there?
1: Well, we just we honestly we just outgrew it. Oh, like there I see. Was, it was getting really crazy to park people. It was just really crowded, and then there was just, there was just nowhere to put cars. And then there was nowhere to put tents. And then, uh-huh. you know, the older we get, the older our fans get, everyone's like, well, oh, I want to bring my RV. And there was really nowhere to put RV. <laughs> right. then, like it was just really restrictive in space.
0: Yeah. I hear you. So yeah, everyone, there was a big RV. Um, a lot of people with RVs there and, and that makes it kind of fun too. You know, you get your yeah. comforts at home and want to go and take a little nap and come back and all that. And you could probably still hear the music from, from where people were able to park their campers. Uh, That's a, yeah, that's a good setup. So did you have more people um, the last two years at rising sun than you were having it as a guy, Isaac Walton?
1: Um, Yeah, definitely. Oh, okay.
0: All right. So Isaac Walton sounds like it was much, much smaller and it couldn't even really accommodate all the people that would have wanted to go
1: yeah well, it was a lot smaller, and we couldn't we couldn't have the vending like we couldn't have food trucks really uh-huh. it was just because there wasn't any space to put them, yeah and, yeah, and just you know, and I like having that having like a you know three to four different kind of food trucks for people, and you know
0: that is great well, there's nothing else out there anyway, so yeah, I, I guess yeah, I mean. The camp office has a little, you know, crackers and stuff, but, (laughs) you know, it would have been kind of a long weekend had there not been the food trucks there. So that was a good, yeah, that was a good setup. Yeah. And the, um, you know, some of the other vendors were just so friendly and so easygoing and they're, they're, they're all weekend too. So you get to know them after over the course of the weekend.
1: Yeah. They're all, we've, a few of them we've had back over the years and became friends with them. And a few of them were our friends already. So we try you know we try to pick people that we work well with and that we already kind of know and yeah no they're going to be good people and
0: and i'm guessing that the band also uh i mean the bands when it comes to choosing the bands you i mean if you had the same bands every year then you know uh, you want to switch it up a little bit so i know you have some of the mainstays you have steel the farm and uh mr blotto and and obviously you guys but I think that there was a lot of, there was a bunch of bands this year that weren't there last year and vice versa. How yeah, did, there
1: uh, was a, oh, go ahead.
0: Well, how did that come about? You know, did you uh, make a conscious effort to switch things up a little bit or uh, was it just availability? You know, how did you no, decide? Yeah,
1: we, we definitely try to not have the same bands every year. Like, um, Mr. Blotto just seems to work and uh, they're just, oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, they bring so their like own group, them. too. I mean, yeah. it seemed like,
0: yeah. you know, when they were playing, all of a sudden there was an uptick of maybe, you know, I don't know, 50, 100 more people uh, oh, yeah. for their yeah. shows. They kind of bring them with.
1: Yeah, they definitely bring people, and and we've been friends with them so long, and a lot of their fans have crossed over to be our oh, fans, sure. vice versa. So, like, all our fans get along together. We're all friends with all, all of their fans and band-wise, and so it just really works out. It's, it's really nice. So. That will probably stay the same. And then, like Fresh Hops, we've definitely had Fresh Hops over the years, but we, we probably won't have them next year just to change it up a little bit. And we definitely try to change it up. Um, yeah. And then some of the bands, um, and I can't, I'm trying to remember the other name of the other band. It's really bad that I can't
0: Well, like Willie Waldman was there last year, but I don't think he yeah. was there this year. No. Unless he came in some other format, you know, with a different group, but... Uh,
1: yeah, no, think. he wasn't there, and then um, we had another band, like, one of the bands we had there was because we had played with them at a at a different festival, I think it was, like, the end of last summer. We ended up playing a few different festivals, like Harvest Fests, and they were either before or right after us or something, and so we got to know those guys over we playing a few festivals with them, so uh, we were yeah, like, well, yeah. those guys sounded great, and they were cool, so let's have those guys at Brown Town." and so that... That's how
0: that yeah, kind of works. Yeah.
1: We meet other bands at different festivals and we're like, these guys are cool. You guys want to play And you know, or whatever. So right. that's and kind of how that works. Or that's a nice here, intro okay.
0: too. Hey, I've got my own festival. You want to come play mm-hmm. to my, at my festival? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, uh, have you uh, have you guys played at uh, summer camp? You were mentioning summer camp before, and I used to go there like a good five, ten years in a row. Um, yeah. About three or four years ago. I played
1: uh, there twice. I can't remember what years. I think one year was two thousand ten, and maybe then two thousand twelve. We've definitely played there twice. Before.
0: Cool. Yeah, it's uh, that's really a fun one too. Um, but that's like Memorial Day weekend. And uh, one year it was freezing cold. Another year it was like torrential rain with big flooded. You had to like wade through the water to get from uh, you know yeah. one stage to another. And then another year it was just so hot that you know just you could barely move it was just just yeah, that, sticky and hot so it's that, uh it's a funky change over time for sure when in uh, memorial day weekend anything could happen on memorial day weekend yeah,
1: for sure it's uh just from the production side of things i've seen pictures of like big machines like lifts buried all the way up you know oh man halfway. like getting
0: stuck in the yeah. bunk. and yeah. having
1: to get pulled out with like other tractors and stuff <laughs> it's either the joke is it's either mud or it's dust.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And there've been some years when it did rain and it, you know, helped with the dust. And then, you know, day and a half later, cause it's like a four day festival day yeah. and a half later. It's like dusty again. So yeah. it's uh but what a blast that place is. And, uh, oh, man, it's, I've, it's crazy. Yeah, I've, I've, definitely lo- I've, been there. I've, uh, got turned on to so many awesome bands over the years, just from, you know, going to the little stages and, and seeing who's playing and, I don't think I have came across any bad stuff, although I'm not a big EDM person. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's a whole, you know, there's a whole thing on that, too. But, you know, that has its place, I guess. You'd want to yeah. feel the bass it, through yeah, your bones.
1: <laughs> yeah, Yeah, Um I, I feel you. Like I'm not really a huge EDM fan. I can, I can appreciate it, but as far as a live experience, I don't it's not what I really get into I don't don't yeah. much as right, much yeah. room for, for human error to add to the interesting.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: To make it more interesting.
0: Yeah, exactly. Where there's a little bit more spontaneity going on and it's not, yeah, like, you know, maybe, pre- maybe the drummer period.
1: hits the snare like a second, a split second later than he did the time before. And that changes all <laughs> band's at, you know, but that's not going to happen in EDM.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, just, so, what do you guys uh, have coming up? Any Any uh, shows coming up with uh, Chester Brown?
1: Um, Chester Brown and Steel on the Farmer are both playing the cannabis cup.
0: Oh, that's right, the cannabis crown. Actually, I'm going to go problem. see you guys. Yeah, that's uh, this Friday, the 19th, at the Hartford Speedway. Yeah, I That'll thought
1: it fun. was the 26th. 20-
0: I'm sorry. You're right. It's the 26th and the 27th. Because I was going to be like, oh, shit. It's this weekend. Oh, no, I can't.
1: Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so we're doing both the bands are doing that. And then Steal on the Farm is at Shoreline Brewery this Sunday. From right. From 3 to 7 right. in the yeah, afternoon.
0: That'll be fun. And then I think you guys are doing a after party for the Sacred Rose. Yeah, uh, we are. That's um, in Bridgeview, Illinois, the old Toyota Park, where. Uh, yep. I know I I went to Toyota Park for that Eric uh, Clapton um Crossroads Guitar Festival back in yeah. 2007 and 2010 and uh wow that was just an amazing festival in itself but um it'll be kind of interesting having um uh you know that Sacred Roast Festival there is it uh, are you, you guys are going to go play like an after party there but Uh, Do you know, are they just going to only be in the stadium or are they having stages outside the stadium too?
1: Um, Well, it's funny because the company I work for is the one, the production company Ah, that's doing that festival. So yes, all the stage, everything is outside in the parking lot.
0: Oh, oh, so they're not doing anything inside? Uh,
1: They're going to, they're going to build big stages outside and big, I mean, giant tents to put some of the stages under and like everything is going to be outside.
0: You know what? That's probably a better approach anyway, because yeah. it's kind of hard to being jammed into that, you know, yeah. relatively small stadium, and yeah. especially I think Wilco's going to be there and Phil Lesh is going to be there, and, yeah. And Wilco
1: wow. with some member like I think some of Phil's kids or something, and oh yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. Oh. Like a couple members of Wilco and a couple members of like whatever the Grateful Dead family are like going to play a set. So, but. That's That's
0: interesting. Yeah. That would be cool. cool. I haven't seen Phil Lesh and son, Phil Lesh and sons, Phil Lesh and uh, friends in uh, quite a long time, but that's where I got turned on to, uh, oh geez, what's his name? He's a short guy with black hair, real skinny. Um, Oh man. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I just spaced out on his name. He's a guitar player and uh, he played with Phil Lesh and friends uh, for probably a couple of years, and then he was with uh, um, a, couple, you know, a bunch of other bands, and I think he just did a tour with Anders Osborne, um, that uh-huh. guitar player. Not, not
1: Steve Kimmock, is it? No,
0: no, not Steve Kimmock. Okay. He's Green. Um, green. Oh, green. Uh, geez, what's
1: oh yeah. I, I know he played with uh, the guy from the Black Crows yeah, here and there. Yeah, with so, Chris uh, Robinson. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah they did like a summer camp thing or a lock-in thing one year too. those two guys. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, geez, oh, I can't I'm spacing either. out on his name, <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, he's an unbelievable guitar player and, um, yeah, he, he looked like he was about 15 years old when he played with Phil Lesh and friends, but, uh, oh. he's, uh, he's got no, now he's got a gray beard and kids. And so he's, <laughs> <laughs> he looks his age now, but, uh, <laughs> Well, that sounds like a great any uh, any big uh, other festivals coming up that you guys are playing with either with Steel on the Farm or Chester Brown.
1: Um, yeah, Harvest Fest, which is I think oh. the weekend of September twenty third and fourth. Oh wow! Out in, it's out in Lake County, like um, Crown Point area, like uh-huh. a little bit south south and east of Crown Point, in this uh, like big farm. It's called Hubie Ranch.
0: Okay, cool, and that's been around a couple of years, right?
1: Uh, yeah, they started. I think last year was. It was that's oh, the band okay. I was thinking of. It was uh, funkinetic. Uh, it's funkinetic,
0: yeah. Uh, and they gotcha. played at
1: Browntown, and that's how we hooked up with them for Browntown. So yeah,
0: that's and that great. was
1: re- we played that last year, and that was really fun too.
0: And are you playing that as Chester Brown? Are you personally going to be there as, with Chester Brown or with Steel on yes, the Farm, or yes. with both?
1: Yes. Uh, Chester Brown As of right now. I think Still on the Farm, there there was some talks about it. Cool. But right. I, I don't know if that went through or not. Yet. Right.
0: So um, we're almost uh, out of time here, but I uh, just wanted to, you know, talk about your your writing. Uh, you've been writing songs for all this time in the band. You know, what is your writing style? Do you just kind of get some melodies in your head and, and try to get them down and throw some, you know, put some words to it or... Do the words come first? You know how do the, how do your songs come to you?
1: Um, well, sometimes the words come first, and sometimes the music comes first, and sometimes that works. But most of the time, I feel like my favorite songs or what I would consider my best songs come. At the same time.
0: Yeah. It's just like, like comes in one form. like, do you have dreams and then amazing. wake up and you're like, Oh my God, that was a great one. And try to get no, it.
1: Down? I've definitely been driving and like started humming a song. Like sometimes I'll drive with just the radio off just on purpose. And uh-huh. then, you know, and then some will come to me and I'll be like, oh, I got to remember that. And I will, sometimes I won't remember it, but the best times are when I'm just like doing my normal practice stuff. And I'll just start like, okay, well I'm just going to have some fun. I'll be playing acoustic usually. And then like I'll just come up with some kind of riff and then words come to me usually the chorus first and then I'll add words around it. That's mostly my writing style. Yeah. Sometimes wow. I Sometimes I do write stuff down, but first, but yeah, most of the time that's how it happens.
0: And then it's just, then it's just in you, you know, you're, uh, it doesn't, I don't see anyone reading music or or having any notes or even having a set list. You guys all just seem to know what the next song is going to be and, go right into it and um that that is another thing I really liked that uh, you guys did at sealing the farm on Saturday is that you didn't just you know you didn't add in a song like hey what do you guys want to do next you just rolled into the next song i don't know yeah. if there was like a you know like a little telepathy going on or like a little hint of a of a note or you know but that that's sort of like a traditional grateful dead style where they just kind of morphed into the next song
1: yeah that's that happens a lot we do have a set list but a lot of times it's like a suggestion
0: Uh yeah yeah (laughs) so sometimes
1: it'll change on stage and especially like stealing the farm pet will just lean over and be like hey we're gonna do this i'm like all right cool we'll be jamming and then someone will start it or a lot of times you know some of our best shows especially in chester bronx been playing for so long somebody will start you'll hear something like the bass player dominic will play something You're like oh he wants to go into this song
0: ah and, yeah yeah
1: and then you get it and then it's like oh that was awesome and but sometimes it doesn't work where you're like you're thinking i'm thinking he's going into this song and he's thinking a different song and it's like <laughs> okay crap now now we're gonna get out of this tanglement you know yeah. but then that makes it interesting because you gotta For do sure. something different to like get out of it and get back into
0: It it almost works like a dueling piano thing, you know, where you're each uh, trying to get everyone to start playing one of your, you know, the song that you're wanting them to play. (laughs) All right. Well, Tim, thanks again. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. And um, Tim Vanderlyn from Chester Brown Band and Steel on the Farm. And uh, uh, you guys have Steel on the Farm has a show on Sunday at Shoreline Brewery, 3 to 7. Uh, then the cannabis crown at Hartford Speedway, um, in Michigan from, uh, what is it? Uh, the 26th. And that starts like in the afternoon. I think, I think, um, Here,
1: six, we start at 2 p.m. with us yeah, see on the farm, and then The 27th Chester Brown, I believe is at 5 p.m. Or 5.30.
0: Ah, uh, good one. All right. Well, uh, Tim, again, thank you very much. Looking forward to seeing you guys. You're very so, welcome. Take it easy. Thank you. And that was Tim, Tim Vanderlyn from uh, Chester Brown Band and Steel on the Farm. Uh, and you've been listening to Johnny Secret Stash on Radio Harbor Country, WRHC, 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ, 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. And Johnny Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages, one of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs. Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information is at com. That's caras and Cottages with a K. And uh, that's it for today. Thanks a lot. Take it easy, everybody.